0: Good morning. Welcome to All People's Church. Today we join Pastor Denise as she continues the series Spiritual Warfare, Armor of God. This is part 3. The focus of today's lesson is the breastplate of righteousness.
1: Last week we were introduced to Roman soldiers armor and we talked about the loin belt of truth and learned that all the Roman soldiers army, excuse me, armor was connected or the belt held everything together that's the way it was said because the shield connected to the belt and the sword uh, hung on the belt and some other different things and we learned how that the belt of truth anchors all the rest of God's armor and today we are going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness And I'm going to start by reading our scripture from Ephesians again. Only Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So before we go into what the breastplate of righteousness means, I'm going to talk about the Roman soldiers' armor and their piece of armor. That was the breastplate. And then we will be able to liken it to the spiritual armor. First of all, Paul lived at a time so as to be familiar with Roman soldiers' armor. As a matter of fact, Paul had some up-close and personal contact with Roman soldiers, so he had good views at their armor. And we're just going to check out a couple of scriptures reminding us about Paul being with the Roman soldiers. And the first one is Acts 28:16. Now, when Lee came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Okay, and if you will flip the page, Twyla, to Acts 23 and verses 23 and 24. And this particular scripture verse has to do with when Paul was in prison, his nephew Mark came to talk to him and to tell him that there were some men who had made a vow to kill Paul when he was going to be transferred from one place to the other. So he was able to be transferred during the night with a, a large group of soldiers. So Acts 23 verses 23 and 24. And he called for two centurions. saints. Prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen
0: to go to theria at the third hour of the night and provide
1: mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix the governor. Paul had a great chance to become familiar with the armor that the Roman soldiers of the time wore because he was in prison or a house arrest with one Roman soldier. And then here he is being transported with 200 soldiers in order to save Paul's life. Because of Paul's familiarity, we can study Roman soldiers army and relate it to our spiritual armor. So let's talk about the Roman soldiers breastplate. Part of the description is it was shiny. One of the most or the most beautiful and glamorous piece of weaponry that a soldier wore. We know the helmet was very showy, but the breastplate was even a bit more so because it was made of highly polished metal, often made of brass. And instead of being one large piece of metal that hung on the Roman soldiers, it was made normally with scales or pieces of brass hanging together that looked like scales almost like I guess you would say even fish scales and as these pieces of metal rubbed against each other when the Roman soldiers had this breastplate on and when they moved these pieces of brass or metal rubbed against each other and it added more luster to the breastplate as it shined uh, with the rubbing, the friction caused it to shine. And as the whole army marched together, this could create a blinding effect for the enemies because they have this large piece of metal going from their shoulder all the way down to their knees and the front and the back and hundreds of soldiers marching together. And if the sun was hitting their breastplate correctly, then it's just gonna be blinding, shining. Just imagine a whole moving sea of bright reflective light coming closer and closer to you. That's what the enemies saw at times when they were out to war with Rome. The breastplate covered a soldier's front and back held together by big brass, large brass rings. Some of their breastplates, I believe, were held together by thick pieces of leather. But uh, the reference that I'm using from the book was held together by large brass rings. Because of the way it hung all the way from their shoulders to their knees in the front and the back, this piece of metal protected their vital organs, their heart, their lungs, their kidneys, their liver. So soldiers could march confidently into battle and not fear being struck in their vital organs, which could lead to death. It was the heaviest piece of armor that they wore. At times it weighed 40 pounds and occasionally up to 75 pounds. So wimps did not wear Roman soldier armor. They were prepared for battle and they were fit enough to wear this heavy piece of armor along with all the other pieces that they had to wear the belt, the helmet, the shoes, the metal around their legs, the metal greaves around their legs. So they had to be very physically fit to wear this armor and endure it. Let's see how we can compare this to our spiritual armor. Ephesians 6:11 tells us to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan likes us to believe that we are not righteous. In ourselves, we can also struggle to believe we're saved. I would venture to say probably almost every Christian has some times in their life, maybe especially after they are initially saved, where they don't feel saved. Or they think, can I really be saved? Did this really happen? Do I need to do something else? What else do I need to do? in ourselves we struggle to believe we're saved sometimes And often you'll hear some people say i don't feel saved because we don't always feel saved we just have to remember what the word of god says that if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we may not feel saved but if we've done the right things we're saved and if we believe in jesus our own hearts can actually certainly condemn us at times, and we're going to read about that in 1 John 3.20.
0: For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things.
1: Our hearts can condemn us to ourselves and before God and, and say, because you did this or that, you're not forgiven. You can't be forgiven. It was too terrible to be forgiven. Our hearts can condemn us about many things in our lives, but as the Scripture says, God is greater than our hearts, and He knows all things. He knows the moment that we wanted to be saved and prayed and asked Him to come into our life. He knows that we're forgiven when He looks at us. He sees the righteousness of Jesus in our lives. And so we have to begin to depend on God's Word and learn God's Word so that we can have our thinking lined up with what God knows. So we need to reassure ourselves of our righteousness in God. How can we do that? Well, we, we can read, learn, and know Bible verses that remind us of our righteousness so that when we are condemned, we can fall back back to Bible verses. There were certain times in my life, and I've mentioned the book of First John a couple of times recently, but it's a very, very good book to encourage people in their salvation. Actually, it's like a little short manual telling you in different places how you know you're saved. And so it's a great book to just have and open it up if you need to and read some of the scriptures out of 1 John. This is a quote from the book, page 296, and I agree with this, that Christians who don't know that they have been made righteous in Christ tend to habitually walk in condemnation. If you really don't know, you're going to walk in self-condemnation because you'll have this battle in your mind about you're standing with God and you're right standing with God. And we will look at ourselves and see the things that we do that displease God because we all fail from time to time. We all have lapses because we are human and we'll fail. And we have to remember that if we confess our sins, we're forgiven. And we're still righteous with God at that time. So we can read, learn, and know Bible verses that remind us of righteousness. When you understand that God has freely imparted righteousness to you, and I'll repeat it, and that this God-given righteousness now serves you as a gorgeous breastplate, it will affect your attitude quite positively and profoundly. That's a long quote from page 297 of the book Dressed to Kill by Rick Renner. When you understand God has freely imparted righteousness to you and that God's righteousness that he's imparted to you basically serves you as your gorgeous breastplate because it's a breastplate of righteousness, this will affect your attitude positively and profoundly. How does this affect our attitude? How does knowing we're righteous in God affect our attitude? The Roman soldiers were told when they left for battle that it would be better to die on the battlefield than to come back and admit defeat from the enemy. So they were basically told to make sure you come home a winner or don't come home at all. Win or die trying. And in the same way, we need to be prepared for spiritual battle. We need to make up our mind that we're going to win. And as Christians, we're normally not going to die trying because God's going to give us the victory. But it's a mind thing for us in in one way. And we do have to pray and ask God to help us, even to help us get that mindset that we are going to win this battle, this spiritual battle of being righteous. And, And knowing we're righteous in God, Remember that most of our spiritual battle is in our minds anyway. We learned that a couple of weeks ago. Peter is going to give us some information on how to prepare ourselves. 1 Peter 1.13. I'm reading first out of the New King James, and then I'll repeat it in a minute out of the New American Standard Bible. 1 Peter 1.13, Peter says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind... Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter is telling us to gird up the loins of our mind. Gird up means to be prepared. Be prepared in your mind. Prepare yourself. The word loins, as in loins of your mind, means the place Where the Hebrews thought that generative power resided, God's word changes our minds, changes our thinking, establishes things in our mind. So girding up the loins of our mind, the words of your mind means in your spirit, in your way of thinking, in your feeling. In your thoughts, good or bad, understanding things. So, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Basically, means to prepare your minds. That's the place where thoughts generate. That's the place where God's word will change you in your thinking. If you learn your, if you uh, get in His word and learn it and it will change your way of thinking and feeling and rest our hope upon the grace that's going to be given to us at the revelation of jesus rest our hope upon jesus rest our hope on the grace of his righteousness whenever it's revealed to us. And when we learn about Jesus and are saved, we, can, we need to just prepare our minds to rest our hope on Jesus and his righteousness in us. Now, I like how the New American Standard Bible reads for 1 Peter 1.13, and it reads, therefore, prepare your mind for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love it so simple when when you read, prepare your mind for action. Be serious about serving God. Be serious about knowing who you are in Christ. We need to be prepared in our way of thinking according to Peter. We need to prepare ourselves intellectually according to Peter, but how do we do that? We need to know, as I've said, that we're righteous in God. There are many scriptures about our righteousness in God. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 5, and then I'm going to ask Daryl to read from 1 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 5 says, talking about Jesus, 5 verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God." Talking about Jesus, God made Jesus who had no sin, none at all, to be sin, basically on the cross when He died, He bore our sin, to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, let's see what First Corinthians 1 verses 30 and 31 says about God's righteousness.
0: But of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord.
1: It is because of him that we are in Christ Jesus. Jesus was wisdom from God because he became our righteousness. He became our holiness and our redemption. So anytime we want to boast about what we're doing, we really need to remember that we're righteous in God. Let's boast about the Lord and what He's done in our lives. In First Peter chapter two verse twenty-four, it says, "He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness." By His wounds were healed. And in Romans chapter three. Verses 21 and 22, it says, Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to us. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to be righteous by the law or keeping of the law or doing things within ourselves. We're righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. The author Rick Renner says that there is no doubt about it. When this knowledge gets plenty deep in your heart, and he, he wrote this in caps, it changes you, changes in all caps. So when we begin to have our thinking changed and know that we're righteous, our attitudes can change, we become more positive and it affects us. So we need to learn how to be properly dressed with the breastplate of righteousness. What does putting on the breastplate of righteousness mean? Well, we've talked a lot about it. It really does mean that we're learning that we're righteous in God. And it really does mean reading God's Word until we're changed. So those two, it really seems very simple, but it is very simple. As we begin to walk in the faith that we're righteous in God, our breastplate of righteousness gets more beautiful with time and over time. How? Because... Our prayer life is positively affected because we will pray with more confidence. Hebrews 4.16 tells us to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we can be a confident prayer when we know that we can come to God, even if we fail, even if we don't feel saved. We've been saved. So we can pray confidently and ask God in confidence for things in our lives and ask Him for help and grace and mercy and our needs. Part of the Lord's Prayer is give us today our daily bread, which refers to the needs in our life for the day. Number two, righteousness changes our attitude about ourselves and people around us. How does that happen? In my opinion, when we begin to know that we're, we're a person who's saved and walking with God, we begin to think differently. And then we get to positions where when others irritate us or, or frustrate us or aggravate us <laughs> or whatever, you know, if a relationship or an encounter really with someone doesn't go very well, our attitude about them can change in the sense that we can begin to pray for them to come to know the Lord if they're not saved. And we can begin to pray for them if they are a person serving God. If we need to ask the Lord to help them to realize what they've done wrong, we can. Or to bless them to know Him closer. So when we pray for other people like that, it's gonna it changes us too. changes our attitude inside. Our confidence in God and righteousness gives us the assurance that we need to step out and do the work of God. Why? Because we can realize within ourselves that first of all our salvation depends on God, on Jesus, what He did, and our faith in Him. Secondly, our righteousness depends on the blood of Jesus. And third, we can be confident in God, and when we can get all those things right in our lives, we can be more confident in doing a work that God called us to. We can fall back on God. We can realize that it's not our work anyway, that really it's God's work, it's God's word, it's God's kingdom we're working in, so we just have confidence that it's all about God and much less about us except for our obedience to do what he called us to do. In conclusion, I'm going to quote from page 308, keep walking, keep marching, Keep moving forward, and don't let the enemy talk you out of enjoying the benefits of your right standing with God. And I'm going to look up the lyrics to a particular song that I want to read to you. This song is Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, and you may have heard it many times, but I think that it's fitting for this because we're talking about who we are in God. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad, the honors of your name. And here we go, Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. And this is the one that really goes with our lesson, the verse. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. So to God all glory, praise, and love be now and ever given by saints below and saints above, the church in earth and heaven. So he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoners free. His blood can make the phallus clean. His blood availed for me. We just need to trust Him, and that's how we can walk with a breastplate of righteousness on. Amen.
0: Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church of Arizona. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy. Second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the one sent by God. The Bible says in John 20.31, But these are written, speaking of the signs that Jesus did during His earthly ministry, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of His Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it is written that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation. So say to God what is really in your heart. Many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above, such as this one. Father in heaven, I have sinned against you. I have hurt other people and I've hurt myself. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you. This concludes our message for today.